So today I want to illustrate the points that I want to share by telling a story. And this happened, uh, it's a real, it's a true story. It happened almost 10 years ago. And how I'll start is it was around July in the summer and I was expecting my first child. I was about uh, five months pregnant at the time and my cousin was in the U.S. and she was coming to Dubai for the first time to visit. We have an aunt who was staying there. And uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to have a baby, so travel may not be an option in the near future, so I might as well take the opportunity to travel along. So she came from the States, and she was transferring through London, so we met in London and went to Dubai together. Um, I stayed at my aunt's place, and we got to go to the markets and shop and do all the, you know, Dubai activities. And... Subhanallah, while we were there, uh, we were Abaya shopping, and we found uh, this shop where they tailor make clothes for you, so they measure it, and you can change up the designs on the sleeves or whatever, and um, so I ordered and measured and had them measure a handful of Abaya, it's like six or something like that, and because I was expecting at the time, like, it had to have room to get around the baby when they were measuring um, like the, they were good, taking my measurements. And anyway, so I ended up buying these abayas, um, and we only, we didn't stay that long, maybe a couple of weeks or so. And then after that, I came back to London, my cousin went home. So that was July. So now it's, uh, August and I believe it was Ramadan at the time. And, uh, subhanAllah, it was now I was coming up on six months and uh, the baby was kicking and everything like I could feel the baby at that stage and subhanallah one night what well, I was volunteering at the masjid and that night I would because I was busy like running around and for anyone who's had a baby that you know that the baby tends to be lulled to sleep by your motion so a lot of times the baby isn't up kicking and stuff when you're in your most active uh, state when you're running around and cleaning and going up and down the baby kind of rests because you're moving or talking. Then when you lay down to sleep, the baby wakes up and starts kicking more. So it was during the day and that evening, I noticed the baby was kind of quiet and I thought, you know, uh, it's probably just because I'm moving around. Um, so when I was headed home that night, I thought, I'm sure when I lay down, the baby will start kicking again more. She's probably just hanging out. And um, that evening, still nothing. Uh, but it was quite late by that time. So I thought, okay, tomorrow we'll go into like the, the hospital and have them like do listen and check and we'll see what's going on. And I remember my mom told me, yeah, like a story when she was pregnant with my brother that he like went quiet for a whole 24 hours and scared her to death, but he was fine. He was just sleeping. So I just kind of, I didn't worry too much about it. And I, I went to sleep that night. The next morning we went in to the hospital to have a check and a listen and, um, they put the jelly on and listened to my belly and they said no uh, she couldn't find the heartbeat the midwife who was checking so she said what we'll do is we'll take you over to the scan and they'll be able to see and and give us a definite like be able to check it, check out what's going on so I I was I was already nervous at that stage and I was starting to freak out because no kicking. She can't find the heartbeat. It's usually pretty straightforward. Like when you have your appointments, they always kind of check. So I'm used to the process. 
Um, so I went to uh, the room uh, where we have the scans and I had just had my 20 week scan and I was coming up on 24 weeks at that stage. So the same woman who did my 20 week scan came and she click, click, check the scan, check the monitor. And she goes, I am so sorry. There's no heartbeat. I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, um, I was stunned. I, 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 I could, didn't feel anything. I think I kind of knew, but I just was in disbelief. And so all I could think of was what's next. So just tell me what we have to do now. Like, can we move to the next thing, please? Um, and she just kept apologizing. And I was just like, can you tell me what I'm going to have to do now? Um, she told me, okay, just give me a moment. I'll put you guys in this room and somebody, a consultant or someone's going to come talk to you. So they put us in this room. Uh, with no windows and we were just sitting there like looking at the walls and I was thinking oh my gosh I'm gonna have to call mom and dad and tell them and my parents are abroad so you know this is gonna be they can't be with me so they're just gonna have to hear this and um subhanallah anyways they told me we're gonna have to induce you and you'll have the baby so this is the process that's gonna happen um and and that's it so that's what happened um, a few days later, I they induced me and I had the baby. I, it was a surprise. I didn't know what I was having. Turned out it was a girl and we named her Sajda. And um, she's buried here in Hainault in London in the cemetery. So that that happened, right? And it was such a um, such a huge thing to happen. Like you know, first baby, I was mentally like I had to adjust to the idea of having a baby like oh my gosh I'm gonna do this and I was freaking out and all this and by the time I had kind of um accepted and became excited about it and had gone through the morning sickness and the really rough parts which go up to almost the 20 week mark I was just starting to feel better and things you know I traveled and things were starting to kind of pick up for me and then this happened and I just thought like I did not see that coming because they tend to forecast that miscarriages happen early on. But then after like the 12 week mark, they're quite comfortable. Um, like it's like doesn't tend to happen. So they call it like a stillbirth or late miscarriage. And it's like it's a rarer thing. So Qadrullah at that time that happened. Um, and two weeks after that. So now this is uh, coming into mid-September. And it's going to be Eid. Uh, my dad tells me, why don't you come home for Eid and like fly to the States, come home. And uh, I have some work that I'm doing. And he had he was working with uh, like in a high management position for working with uh, the Somali political team in the U.S. And, and around. And so he told me, come, I need you to like personal assist for me. And you can help me like hands on deck because it's it's a busy um, like a travel schedule that they have and he's going to need help. So um, in his own way, I think he was trying to just get me out of uh, sitting in my in my grief and help me out and take me to see my family and just kind of, you know, have me be with my people. Um, but I was glad to be doing something. So I thought, great, I get to fly home for Eid and see everyone and then travel and, and do something. So I agreed and um, I left and I came to came home, spent Eid with the family. And then like the next day after Eid or the day after that, we started work. 
And subhanAllah, obviously I'm going to be doing like, uh, you know, booking hotels, flights, um, running around, taking notes in meetings, like uh, it's a professional environment. And subhanAllah, when I'm packing to go, the abayas <laughs> that I bought in Dubai, not knowing what they would be for, were for this trip. And so I packed my brand new stuff, you know, and, and, and went home. And um, so everything started and it was the craziest, most amazing time. I could not have anticipated. I've never done anything like that before. I've always, like, I like traveling, like, with my family or friends. We would go to conventions and stuff. and But I, I had never done anything like that, like, in a professional capacity. And it was unbelievable. It was extraordinary. I, we went to, uh, we started off, I think, maybe we started in Washington. I can't even remember. We ended up going to Washington, Chicago, Ohio, um, New York, we went several different, at least five different cities. And this was like a, a group, a delegation, like diplomats of about 12 people. And subhanAllah, it was just, it was amazing. I got to stay in the most amazing places, most beautiful hotels in major cities, you know, in the fall, in a really beautiful time. And subhanAllah, like I'm there I am in my abaya checking into the Waldorf Astoria and, you know, getting to spend time with my dad and subhanAllah, my room wasn't, it wasn't ready for some reason because the bookings got mixed up and we were there for the um, United Nations General Assembly meeting in 2009 and um, everybody, all of the leaders and all of the presidents and their delegations and their teams like to stay at the Waldorf because it's really physically close to the United Nations like headquarters and it's a high-profile kind of fancy hotel. It's where everybody who's anybody is supposed to stay. So because of the rooms and everything being way overbooked, my room wasn't ready. So subhanAllah, I ended up staying on the 42nd floor, which is like maybe the highest floor, if I'm not mistaken. And it was like down the hall from Obama. And it was, it was, it was unbelievable. By a fluke, I ended up getting an amazing view of the New York City skyline at night. It was just for the first night till they could rebook me into a, like somewhere closer to everyone else. And it was just amazing. It was amazing. I couldn't have imagined when I was in Dubai that these abayas would be worn in this place. And I felt so amazing wearing them in this environment, even though it's all suits and, you know, professional gear. I felt like I was a queen in my abayas, you know, and it was, it was wonderful. Everything fell into place and everyone was awesome. Everyone was so kind, like getting coffee for us in the morning. I would go down, there's like a Starbucks in the lobby of, of the actual hotel. It's downstairs. And there was a, a Muslim brother working there. And because he can see me wearing my abay and my, you know, he gives me extra biscottis and... <laughs> It was just amazing. I had to run and pick up some things like at the last minute. My dad's luggage got lost coming into New York. So he needed shirts and ties in an emergency. And so I had the measurements and he sent me go to Macy's, get some stuff and come back. And I kid you not, on the way there, the driver was a Muslim brother who was playing Quran in the cab. And on the way back, another Muslim brother who was playing Quran in the cab. And I just felt like 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this amazing, massive experience for me that I could not have ever seen coming after just grieving the loss of the baby and just being stuck in that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that intense hardship, Allah Azza wa gave me like a gift that is so extraordinary. I could never have told you I'd ever attend the United Nations General Assembly meeting. Like what? It was, it's, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And when I look back at it, for me, it's a story about after hardship comes ease. It's a story about you never know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan is for you and for something. And the abayas to me are like symbolic that we buy things, we we plan things, we think this is how we're going to use them, we think this is what they're for, you know, but you have no idea what they're for. And it adds that sense of curiosity and wonder because it's not just, I don't know how it's going to play out, but it's definitely going to play out and it's going to be extraordinary. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you, he doesn't give you in what we think is is good or cool or neat or generous. He gives you in a way that's like you couldn't have made it up. You could not have made it up. And it just boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. When I think of trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, it's easy to tell stories. It's easy to you know, talk about it theoretically, when we reflect on the Qur'an, when we study tafsir, when we hear reminders and talks, it's all well and good. But when you're in the middle of a difficult time, when you're struggling, when it's so dark that you cannot see the light, like there's no light, this tunnel seems endless, it's really, really hard to remember that feeling. It's really hard to remember the trust. So these stories or incidents, or things that happen in life, when you can look back, you'll be able to see the pattern. Okay, this terrible thing happened, or hard thing happened, and then shortly after that, something really incredible happened after that. You start to see the pattern. And when you look back, it's clear. But when you're in the middle of it, you have no idea what's around the corner. You can't see that far ahead, and you don't know. So revisiting the stories of trust reflecting on them, revisiting the stories of when it played out in the most amazing way, holding on to them, like curating them and collecting them is definitely a tool for helping you hold on and helping you remember because it's not always a party. It's not always wonderful. There are these days and there are those days. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, وَتِلْكَ الْأَيَّامُ نُدَاوِلُهَا بَيْنَ النَّاسِ And these are the days and we interchange them among the people. Some day is a good day for you. Sometime it's a hard day for you. Some day is a good day for another person. Another time they go through hardship. And this is just the cycle. This is the nature. This is the nature of life. So try to remember the really amazing times and try to remember the gifts when you feel like giving up. And it just fills me with gratitude to see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he comes through, he comes through. Azzawajal. So hold on and have faith and know that inshallah, if things are really bleak right now, then you never know. If you trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask him, then when he comes through, inshallah, you'll have a story to tell. Um, that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. And jazakumullah khairan for listening. And I look forward to sharing more. Yalla. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.